Welcome to the Even the Rocks podcast, where we believe that just like the rocks cry out proclaiming Jesus as our Savior, our symptoms cry out to help us support our temple. I'm Lindsay. And I am Danielle, and we are your hosts here. We are both nutritional therapy practitioners with a biblical worldview, and within this podcast, we will teach you the way God created our bodies to be innately intelligent. You will be pointed to Jesus and understand how to support your body best. Hi, y'all. Welcome to season two. This season, we are just going to be talking, you know, we both specialize in nutrition. We are nutritional therapy practitioners, and we care so much about nutrition and supporting our body properly and not just one specific area or one specific health concern that you might have, but supporting our body as one working unit. Everything in our body, every function of our body is connected to the next function. And so that is what we specialize in. But we also know that God created this body. He created this body to work as, like I said, as one working unit. And so we have created this podcast. If you're new around here, we created this podcast just to kind of bring God into the nutrition realm and into the natural the natural holistic side of, of wellness, because we saw that a lot of, a lot of wellness accounts are more new age-ish. And so we just want to share that God created our body. How can we honor God? How can we honor our temple the way that God has created us to honor our body and, and how we can use the things that God has given us naturally in as a part of his creation to support our body. So in this episode, we are talking about putting God first in our life. And I would have to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You know, yes, God should be first. Whenever, you know, you hear that and it's like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds right. I should put God first. But oftentimes I hear people say, oh, God is my number one. And then my family and then my career and then X, Y, Z. Well, hold on. Hold on. God isn't number one because are you spending eight hours a day in your Bible? Um, No, I think I might have spent eight hours in my Bible whenever I was in Bible college and studying for an exam, maybe. Right. But I doubt it. (laughs) Because life goes on and like, the whole so Lindsay came um Lindsay and um was it yesterday or the day before you sent me she sent me okay so she sent me a Marco Polo video and something just didn't sit right with her that um of of something that was said or some like just kind of general thing that was said um recently around her and and we kind of fleshed this out together and she was like you know it just she just kept saying you know it, it like it didn't sit right something something's not right god is not number 1 and so i like when she was talking this is one of my gifts guys i can look at and listen to people and create a like put the picture the puzzle together like that is my favorite thing so don't think i'm super psycho but i will be analyzing everything that everybody says behind the scenes and try to listen at the same time but um she was talking about she's like you know god is not number 1 And so as she was talking, I was like, okay, I see where she's coming from because we think of like, you know, she's like, God's not a, um, basketball team. Like he is not, um, number one seated. Okay. Like, yes, he is seated at number one. Like he is top priority. Okay. However, we as new, um, Testament believers believe that God is in and through everything that God is. Yeah. 
he is not a checklist that we like, oh, we went to church, check. We got in our Bible for five minutes, check. He should be in you drinking your water. He should be in the way you approach and discipline your children and, and spend time with your children, with your husband, with your job. Everything you do should be done to the glory of God. So with that said, like when people think of God as like, oh, I'm going to list him as number one, which I get that. Like, I get it. But honestly, shouldn't God, if you were thinking about a pyramid, shouldn't God be the foundation of our pyramid? And then everything from that flows out of like priority and out of the way that we see the world and the way we act, because we know out of our heart and our beliefs and our that is how we behave. That's how we talk to people. That's how we do things. So if God is a checklist or he is like your basketball team or your football team or whatever your thing is, if you're a soccer fan, whatever, he's not the number one team, the number one seated team. He is the whole foundation. And when you think about like going a little deeper, when you think about your relationship with God and like holy habits, so holy habits would be things like reading your Bible, going to church, going to Bible study, going to your small group. Like all of those things are holy habits. Prayer is a holy habit. We have to have a foundation to do all of those things out of, because if we're not really, and this is something that Lindsay and I've talked about too, is that we don't have, we are becoming, or we are uh, not becoming, we are a biblically illiterate culture. So even people that call themselves followers of Christ are just wanting to be spoon fed. And it is very clear in scripture that talks about that, you know, when we were young, we drank from the milk, you know, that we were nursed, we were given milk until we get solids. And we have, there comes a time when we need to start acting like, oh, I'm going to go make my own steak on the grill. I'm going to go and read my Bible, do these things and finally live out what I believe. And I think that it, like in that and everything permeates from that space like if we're not doing that and we call ourselves christ followers and we're not living out our beliefs we're not going to do the same in work if we believe a certain way or do something at work we're not going to live that out um with our food we know what's right but we're not going to live it out and i think it all comes down to the foundation right you know and just like you just said Hebrews 5.14 said, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have, who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish. And so just like what you said, we are supposed to have steak. If you've been a Christian, if you claim to have been a Christian for all of these years, why would we still be drinking milk and listening to a feel good podcast and going to church and listening to our pastor and then not, not letting that influence every aspect of our life. Can God be a part of your basketball? Yes. Can God be a part of your business? Yes. Can God be a part of, you know, our nutrition business? It's very, it's very driven in how God supports our body. You know, with my clients, I pray after I get out, like I pray for my clients Throughout my week, whenever I'm in a meeting with them, I pray for them at the end of that meeting because I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of their body. I, yes, I am educated. I know what to look for in symptoms. I know how to look for different things going on in your body, but I didn't make your body. And so as our creator, as the one that cares about my body more than I do, 
he knows what it needs and he knows, he knows how to tell me what it needs. He can direct me in what I'm looking for whenever I'm looking at someone's paperwork, you know, and, and letting the Lord be every aspect of our life doesn't just mean I go to church and I go to my small group and I go to church on Wednesday night. Like that's not what it is. And that that's not putting God as the priority. Yeah. Because we should be involved in every aspect. Yeah. And that's why in James, is it one, James one or James two, where um, he says, you know, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many one, when you um, face trials of many kinds, because it, um, it provides or creates perseverance and maturity in the spirit. And so thinking about, you know, every, everything that we face in life is an opportunity and every challenge that we face. And I'm going to throw this in here too, is like every good thing also promotes perseverance of the spirit, but it's, you don't get mature by having it easy and you don't um, become spiritually mature by getting everything you want and, or giving yourself everything you want. And I think I'm just like thinking of a few clients off the top of my head who love Jesus with everything they have. And yet they're still struggling with the temptations of like grabbing chocolates here or it, and with an in like with a wrong heart. Okay. I'm just, I'm not saying chocolate is bad. What I'm saying is they're going to chocolate with a wrong heart because we all know I've got 50 some dollars of chocolate from different countries in my refrigerator. Um, but they're going to the chocolate with a wrong heart. And so they, and then they get discouraged and then they get down on themselves and then they start believing lies and things like that. But those opportunities of learning, like if we are not living with God as our foundation with Jesus and, and that torn veil because of his death, burial and resurrection, if we're not living out of that, we are scared to face challenges we're scared to face hardships. We're scared to do something new. We're scared to change because it's easier to stay the same. I mean, we already know what to expect if we, we know, and I don't care what it is in life. It's easier to stay the same than it is to change because when we change, our life changes. The people we're around, maybe family, like blood relatives may no longer be part of that because they don't understand or they're discouraging. Or the friendships we have are more of enablers and not true friendships that hold you accountable and call you on your crap. Like, and, and calling you on your crap, meaning I know Lindsay had a situation she shared with me that she went to go do that and it was hard. It broke her heart. And that's what accountability is, is like when we feel for someone else and we know it's a spiritual realm, when we can look, when we are more like when we deal with spiritual maturity, we can like pull ourselves to 30,000 feet and see what's going on as a spiritual battle and not personal battle. And I'm going to yeah. share something very vulnerable that I've not shared anywhere else. Okay. Um, my husband was unfaithful to me for almost all of our marriage. For the last four years, I've actually had a husband. It'll be four years in December. I've actually had a real husband and we've been married. It'll be 17 years in May of 2022. And I, that could have destroyed my whole life. 
My life would not be what it is right now if I had not pulled myself. Now, granted, he had his part. He took, you know, like he's still taking care of his things. But for me, I was hurt at the bones. And I had been praying since I was married at 20 that I would have deep, deep faith roots that when the winds of culture, the winds of whatever happens, that it would just, I would just kind of bend a little bit, but then go straight back. And when I found out that this was happening, my world, I was crushed. But you know, I did something different. Didn't yell, didn't scream, didn't whatever. I fell to my knees. And what God created, started for me was this thing of pulling myself out and seeing none of this was about me. What the situation I was currently in was a reflection of, of my husband's heart was a reflection of my heart and where I was. It was also, he, um, it was this, the scripture in, I think it's first or second Peter. Remember, I'm terrible at this, by the way, at memorizing where the scripture is. Um, but it, in first or second Peter, he says about Jesus that they hurled their insults at him. They hurled things at him. And yet he remained sinless. And knowing that, like that scripture was on my heart that whole time. And pulling myself out man, that was a hardship. It still stings at times. And I'm not going to lie about that. It still stings at times. But if I didn't surrender and have Jesus in and through from a foundational standpoint, my whole life would have crumbled. I'm not saying it did. You know, just like Ephesians, what, six? (laughs) We're wrestling against flesh and blood. Right. You were wrestling with your husband. You were wrestling with the devil. Yep. And you know, like you said, the devil can use God can the devil can use good things. Yep. He the devil used your marriage. Marriage can be something great. Yep. But when the devil wants to use something that that's what he does. He doesn't use the terrible things that we do. He uses the you know, he could use our nutrition business. He used yep. your marriage. The yep. devil wants to use the good things to blind you from a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And like, and make things seem bigger and about you and an attack you. And, you know, like thinking about the whole chocolate thing, like going to chocolate with a wrong heart, like chocolate is chocolate. So what? But he's going to continue to plant those seeds of those thoughts like, oh, my gosh, I'm a bad person because I want chocolate. I'm a bad person or I'm stressed. I'm I, you know, I can't handle life. I need to stuff it with food or whatever. He uses the things that we enjoy, you know, whether it's alcohol, you've experienced that, too. Whether it's with your husband, whether it's with alcohol or too much candy. Yep. I've never been addicted to alcohol, but I have been addicted to candy. And people say, oh, it's not the same addiction. It's still hurting your body. Which then in turn hurts the people around you. Right. And, you know, and, and you just said something like, I just went here for a second, that our mental health, something that is like completely, you know, I, I say like people will always say, oh, mental health is stigmatized and mental health is this and this. But just saying that mental health is stigmatized doesn't change things. 
What changes is you living out the truth of Jesus. And if the truth, like if you have trouble getting back to that truth, go get therapy, go get help. I am someone that struggles with anxiety. I'm someone that struggles with um, circumstantial depression. I'm someone that struggles with certain things. I get the help I need. And so, but like that addiction thing, mental health, you beating yourself up. And letting those thoughts that the devil puts in there or someone has put in there and the devil reminds you of them. Like those thoughts are also self-harm. Those are no better or no worse than you cutting yourself because you hurt or you numbing yourself with a substance or porn or sex or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, So all of that still like your mental health, the way you think, the way you live out of your um, belief systems, those affect your loved ones. Those affect your people at work. If I was having a bad day and I didn't admit it, like Lindsay and I have entered into a partnership, a colleagueship where yes, we've become friends, but we're also doing business things together. If I wasn't honest with myself and honest with her, it could cause her to suffer in the area that we are working together in. And that's not fair to her. And so think about your colleagues at work. Sure, some of them may not be believers, but you have an obligation. When you when you cash that paycheck, you have an obligation to that employer and your um, you know fellow employees. I have um, an obligation to my husband. I have an obligation to my kids. I have an obligation to my clients to be honest with myself and honest with someone else. And I think that that's something, too, that we don't think about. And we don't um, think, you know, like, because God should be in and through all things and not just a checklist that we don't think about the people around us that are influencing us or enabling us. And then we're afraid that to ask, like, do you know that you can actually ask someone to mentor you? I didn't. Yeah. You know, growing up, my parents didn't make now. We went to church every Sunday of my life, always. But my parents didn't make church the priority. Yeah. And yeah, we went to church, but that wasn't what it was about. And I have friends whose parents were like, we have to be at church when the doors open on Sunday, when the doors open on Sunday night, when they open on Wednesday, if there's any extra stuff, we have to volunteer. We have to be there. We have to do it, do it, do it, do, 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 do. You're always at the church. Oh, yep. I read my Bible this morning. But then they didn't talk about the Lord. Yeah. And I totally saw a difference, even as a young child, friends who's, who were very active at church. And I mean, I didn't notice it as a child, but now looking back, I can see polar differences in my, in groups of uh, groups of friends and different families that I grew up around. Like we make church a priority. We go to church. We love God. We don't do, we don't sin all the big sins. Like we, we follow the Lord in everything that we do. Right. But then now thinking about my own home, like the way that my parents did it, and they they were little things. It was little things that my parents did. Like when we eat dinner, it's, there's never a question. Are we going to pray? We, we read our Bible. I watched, and it wasn't something that my parents were like trying to show us that they read their Bible, but we just saw it, you know, something as small as, Every wall in my mom's house, yeah, pretty much every wall has a Bible verse on it. Now, it's not like super cringy, Hobby Lobby, cheesy Bible verses. 
But like my brother at five years old memorized oh what number I can't think of the verse now. Uh be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. That whole like it's like yeah. four it's like four it's a group of four verses. And it sticks he had it memorized. Now, if y'all are new around here, I used to be a children's pastor. And I would have people tell me all the time that my expectations of the kids were too high. Kids can't memorize that. Oh, no, you can't have a little kid memorize these verses. And it's like, yes, you can. If it's just a part of their life, they can memorize. If they can memorize every song on stupid TV shows, they can memorize a verse if you just put it in front of the toilet. Yep. Like that, those four verses from... Um, I can't think of where that is. I don't. I, I'm tell. I'm terrible with the addresses in the Bible. It's I Joshua. Just, Why am I? It, okay. okay. Anyway, yeah, I am too. <laughs> we'll quote verses on here, y'all. But good luck finding references. Yep. Go to Google, <laughs> type it in, and go to Google like we do. <laughs> yeah, but my mom just has always, and my oldest brother got saved on the toilet. Like, because yes. my mom has made it a priority to put verses in front of our toilet. So we're, we have to read it while we're pooping. Like, yep. he doesn't have to be a, he doesn't have to be number one. He has to be involved in every area, every aspect. If it's go, if it's cleaning up, doing your chores, make it about the Lord, make yep. it as you serving the Lord. Don't, don't make it so rigid that it's like your kids rebel and don't like the Lord because you've yeah. made it super strict. Like I never felt like my parents made it strict. Yeah. I just feel like they, he was just a part of every aspect. Well, and when you said strict, I just start, started thinking the Pharisees that yeah. they wanted everything to be by the book and it has to be this way. Otherwise you're not doing it right. Um, I like how you said um, when you first started talking about like the idea of remembering, remembering like because you were talking about, oh, well, you need to talk about the Lord like throughout the day. And that idea in the Old Testament, you can see over and over and over and over again that God says, remember. And in the Old Testament and um, in the Jewish tradition, you were supposed to speak things. They didn't have like tablets and pens and pencils and things like that. You had to speak things. And the more you spoke about it, there is a physiological thing that happens in our body. We remember and we live out and it becomes who we are. It's in every cell we have. And I love that idea of, um, that reminds me of, um, like doing chores around the house, doing it, like, you know, do it with a thankful heart. As much as I hate like doing dishes or something. When I was at my old house, we had one bathroom, and we had no dishwasher. And at that house, I had to wash all my dishes by hand. And I hated it until God convicted me. This is time that you have un- uninterrupted with me. So I would talk to him during that process. At our house now, I now have four toilets because when you go from one, you definitely want more. I pray over every single one of those toilets. Why? Because I know what it's like to have one. And then when that toilet is out, I know what it's like to have none. So I pray over every one of those toilets and thank God and like, know that those toilets are a gift. My yard doing yard work. We have much more yard. My mom does that all the time. She prays over her 
flowers and she yeah. has the most lush garden in the world. Yeah. I, yeah. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, you kind of have to have some, somewhat of a green thumb to help that too. It's some talent. I get that. Um, but like in my yard, I noticed, so last year I had a total pelvic floor reconstructive surgery. I was not allowed to really do much of anything. I found so much joy in when we moved here in doing the leaves in my yard. Now it is a lot of yard and I would blow the leaves out to the street and things and I would do it barefoot. I found myself the other day, I was very emotional and very like just kind of struggling with some things. Um, I happened to get my workout in early and I'm like, huh. I can go blow the leaves barefoot, grounding myself in nature and just getting that one-to-one connection. And guess what I did? I met God in blowing those leaves, thanking him for that yard, thanking him for the ability to move my body to do this, thanking him for the opportunity to meet with him. And like my whole day was different. I went forth in, I was much more um, stable emotionally. I was much more stable mentally. I was much more um, motivated and encouraged and joyful. And we forget that. We look at, you know, like, again, going back to that checklist thing, like, check, I had time with God and, you know, God and coffee, check, God and whatever. Like, there's no God and, by the way. It's just God, period. Um, So I I cringe when I see all those shirts and all the memes that are like, God and coffee, or Jesus and coffee. No, it's Jesus, period. Um, Because when that coffee is not there, Jesus is. And that's what we need to, that's what matters. But like, we think of like our, okay, let's think about through my day. I get up, um, I do my Bible time, I pray, the kids start getting up. And then, you know, it's like, school for them. It's me getting ready for my job and being prepared for my clients. It's all the tasks throughout the day. It's homeschooling my kids. It's the after school activities. It's the dinners, the meals, the shopping, the errands, all of those. It's so easy to get caught up in the checklist of life. And you know, whenever, when we talk about idols, don't have an idol above me. That's not saying that you can't love all of those other things but use them to serve him. You don't have to spend, you don't have to, you don't have to, we, we get so bogged down by the rules and what it's supposed to look like. It just looks like a relationship. If your best friend with your best friend, you would talk about every aspect of your life. You wouldn't go spend an hour with your best friend and only talk about your best friend and, and only the things that are going on right then during that hour and then not have any relationship with her the rest of everything going on in your life. Yeah. That's not that that that's not what you do. Ooh. And so many times that's what we think it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And I was just thinking when you Because that's easier. It's easier to just go to church on Sunday morning, have that relationship with your best friend for an hour, claim that they're number one because you give your Sunday morning to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then I'll see you next week. Would you do that with your friend? Would you do that with your husband? No, but it doesn't have to look like this picture perfect bowl. Yeah. And that's, I know. Uh we're trying to keep do our best here, guys. Um, <laughs> we are also sinful and we need Jesus. Um, but like, 
that perfect thing. So there was a, I'm not even going to call this um, business out, but there was a company that I followed, actually a few. And if you notice, like if you're a woman and you are a follower of Jesus, like you're going to see that people want to make things look pretty and like, let's do it this way and make sure that there's pretty pictures and pretty this and that and this and whatever with everything that comes to like to women. And it's, that's marketing. It's pure marketing and telling us that, oh, we have to have our relationship with Jesus has to look pretty. It has to look, you know, perfect Bible highlighters, perfect journal, like bullet journal, this and this and this. My Bible, like I have, this is where I've come in my life because I'm lazy. I have one Bible for my morning reading. I have a Bible that I take everywhere I go, you know, for um, like church and study and stuff like that. And I have one <laughs> next to my bed, but then I also have one for when I write things. And um, the my Bibles, it is because I'm lazy. That's, well, my one Bible, I had to get more because my favorite Bible is, needs to be rebound. And... I don't know if it's reboundable because it's not like true leather. So I'm going to take it to they a place. Anything. Okay. Then I'm going to get that done. Cause I want that rebound. Um, but like but none, can, none of my Bible study like and not paper. Even cardboard bottles can be rebound. Oh, okay. I'll have to yeah. do that. Um, but my, my time with the Lord is not pretty. It is functional and what's functional doesn't get attention. What's functional doesn't look glorious. It's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's, and I think that that too, like we've not only permeate like the whole sexy and glamorous um, marketing and whatever Instagram or, you know, uh, Pinterest worthy by has infiltrated our relationship with Jesus so if it doesn't look a certain way, we're not going to do it because we're not doing it right. Or if it it's my Bible study doesn't look like hers, so it must be wrong. We may not say that out loud, but, we, but think it. we think it and then we don't show up. We don't even show up for our holy habits and living out throughout that day because we don't measure up to Susie Q that's on Pinterest and my Bible study does not look like hers. Well, guess what? You are a bio individual and that's always going to go back to that, that God is going to meet you exactly where you are. And, you know, I mean, we've all got caught up in that, like making your Bible look beautiful and writing like all of it. And like, yeah, I love the pages where I've written a lot, mainly because that obviously whenever I've written a lot on that page, it obviously has spoke to me a lot of different times. Um, but really, if you think about it, the black and white, well, not even the white, the black and sometimes red, if you have red letter is the only important part of whatever you're writing. Like, yes, you have, you have the way you interpret it. You have your own experiences based on what the words are on that page. Those things matter, but that's not concrete. That's not foundational. Those words that are on the page on your blank page that has never had in that you've never written on and that matters more yep the actual words the words that are alive and active are the thing that matter those are foundational and no matter what you interpret those words to meaning in that season or this season because we're going to come to our bible 
with whatever baggage we have going on. And we're going to interpret that scripture based on what's going on in our life. And that's why it's living and active. That's why it is so transparent to what I'm going through and how words written thousands, 2000, over 2000 years ago can still impact my life because it is living and active. But what I'm going through is not the foundation. Right. These words in the Bible are the foundation. And so therefore, it doesn't matter what I write. It does matter to my life and what I'm going through at that specific moment. And those things do matter. So I'm not like downing like where you're, you've written a bunch on your Bible because that does matter. But that's not the foundation of it. The foundation right. of it is the black words that aren't colorful. Right. And I would say, like, I wouldn't use the word interpretation um, the way that you interpret it. It would be more how you apply it to your life on the application piece, because interpretation is very um, that is black and white, because there is always think when you read your Bible context before content. So you got to know the context of the situation. So just for a factual piece, but the way you apply it to your life, that's going to change. Like Lindsay said, you may like, you know, you may have a miscarriage like I had a couple and you see scripture with a, with through those your, lens, through that lens of pain and agony. And I may see a scripture and find comfort in it or redirection or for me, maybe I get called out and like, you know, scripture is sharper than a double-edged sword. It is meant to hurt. It is meant to challenge you. It is meant to chisel and shape and mold you into a in, in the sanctification process yeah. and and that like moves me into the next thing i i that we're talking about is change and growth that we were never meant you know some people get in this mindset of oh i'm okay where i am like it's okay i don't want to change i don't want a glamorous life or, or they they think it's a glamorous life to change for the better they everything may be going well for them and maybe totally fine but we are not called to stay the same. We are called to continue to grow towards sanctification. There's always a maturing process that needs to happen and continue to happen. Otherwise, like, I don't know. I'm terrified. If I can, when they say fear the Lord, I have a very healthy fear of the Lord that he's going to spit me out as, as if he never knew me. I'm gonna, like, I am scared that if I don't live out from my own like relationship with Jesus, if I don't live out that surrender and what have you, I I don't, I want to be known. I want to be known by Jesus that when I get to, when I take my last breath here and my next breath is with him, I want him to say with open arms, welcome, Danielle. I don't want him to say, who are you? I never knew you. Goodbye. And I, and I have that healthy fear. That that doesn't have to do with going to church. No, it doesn't. Because, because, in Matthew, he talks about like, I didn't, yeah, you, you, you cast out demons in my name, but I don't know who you are because, because it's not about going to church. It's not about having God, my number one. God's not our number one. He doesn't want to be our number one. Yeah. He wants to be the whole thing. He wants yeah. to be involved in every aspect. So it's not about, it's not, it's. It doesn't look like going to church and knowing a couple scriptures and being involved in godly things and not being a sinner because guess what? We're all sinners. That doesn't matter. Even Satan knows that Jesus is the son of God. Satan knows. I saw saw a meme the other day that said, 
You know, it said something about atheism is really ironic because even the demons believe that God exists. Yep. It is. Yeah. And like, so people that say, oh, I believe, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Cool. So does Satan. So do all the demons. The demons know him. Yeah. It's not, believing in God doesn't do nothing for you. You, 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 right. Not grammatically correct. (laughs) No, I got what you mean. Um, but we, um, we are those of us that are new Testament believers. Those of us that are followers of Jesus, we have been set apart so we can live free. So if you are not acting and behaving that you like, you are set apart and set free. That is a belief thing. That is something inside you. That is something inside you. That's wrong because we act and, and um, do and say out of our belief system. So there's actually a belief issue and not a, um, custom habits going to church yeah. issue. It's, it's, um, uh, yeah. So yeah, there's that. So all of that to say, God doesn't want to be your number one. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. So we will see y'all next week on the next episode. And I hope y'all have a wonderful week. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can support this podcast by going to coko-fi.com slash even the rocks podcast or find this link in the show notes. This helps to support us continue to make these episodes available to you. If you would like to work with either of us, you can find us on Instagram at even the rocks podcast or email us at even the rocks podcast at gmail.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please rate us at five stars and leave us a review. We appreciate you greatly for listening.